You might want to turn to our text for today in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, and then I'm going to take a moment of personal privilege and saying to the radio audience, and one day we are going to be able to work music into our presentation, but we have just heard an incredible piano solo. Uh, it is well with my soul from Justin Linhart. Linhart. Very special. Justin and I have ministered together the past two days doing a wedding on Jekyll Island. Somebody's got to do these things, you know, just somebody, you know, right? I mean, somebody's got to be there and do these things. And we had a marvelous time, and he shared with me that he knew that it is well with my soul, very powerful song that, uh, that I really appreciated, and he chose that for today. So we appreciate that very, very, very much. Hebrews chapter 10, and I tell you, uh, the outline, it's, it's simple today, but it is, it's kind of busy, so uh, the projectionist, whatever happens, happens. They are very, very good, but I may have really thrown them a curve today, but if you've got the printed sheet, you have got it there. Let me read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, and it's a passage of Scripture where the apostle writing to uh, the generalized audience, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And our key thought for today's message, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but enduring, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The title of the message, as you see there, it's a play on an advertising campaign that became very popular in the 90s and is still popular today. Got Church, it was the Got Milk commercial for the American Dairy Association. But I entitled this Got Church, and if you're asking whether or not we've got church, praise God, I want you to know you've come to the right place. Amen? We got church, friends. We have got church. Let's pray together. Almighty God, what a wonderful word because it's your word, and I pray to be used of you to present this word in a way that just, I mean, really gets to us within our spirit and makes an incredible, powerful, wonderful, joyful difference. Forgive us of our sins, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. A little later, we will look at Psalm 84, 100, and 122. And these are passages of praise of how wonderful and how joyful it is to be able to go to church. In fact, I think we better do it now or I might get carried away. But, and if we're lucky, I will, amen? Get carried away. But Psalm 84, the opening verses, how lovely is your tabernacle? We would say, how lovely is your church, your sanctuary, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And then the closing part of that, at picking up at verse 10, 
For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. This is a psalmist that is excited about the opportunity to go to church and to worship. Psalm 100, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And then 122, the psalmist says about going to church, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And so this is what the message is about. Got church? You come to the right place. The outline is simple. And every once in a while, if you're following it, and it may be different here on the screen, as you know, I tweak the word every once in a while uh, just to make it more uh, clear. But point number one for our consideration today is, and I don't know, there's what it says, three reasons why some people go to church. I've changed it this morning for what reason, but to say some reasons why some people go to church. Just try to keep it and cover all the bases. But there are three that I want to emphasize today, and that is some of the reasons why people go to church is out of a sense of habit, out of a sense of hurt, and out of a sense of hope. I was very fortunate in my doctoral work to be widely read in so many areas, and one of those was a book entitled The Twelve Keys to an Effective Church by Kenan Callahan. And he made a very important point for us who are here basically all the time. And that is that the appeal of the church to the world that is not here is when their heart <clears throat> is hurting and their life is lacking hope. We need to remember that. As we're programming so many times we're we, we want to entertain, we want to involve, we do all kinds of things to attract people and this is wonderful and may we do more of it but we need to never forget that there are those who will walk through the doors of this church, other churches and they have done so on that given Sunday because their heart hurts or because they're looking for some hope in their life. And I added the word habit because for some people, in some areas of the nation, and we would be one of those, if we're not careful, church has just simply become a habit. Amen? And you know what people say sometimes when they begin to miss a string of services, and finally you see them somewhere and you tell them we've missed you, and they will say what? Well, I just got out of the habit. All right, you know me. I'm going to bring it down just as tight as I can. There's such a thing as good habits and bad habits. Did you know that? Some habits, they are monotonous. And looking up the word monotonous is, those habits that we get caught into, they are dull, they are tedious, and they are repetitious. But there are some things that we do on a regular basis that also becomes a part of our life, and they are meaningful and my prayer is that church would be a habit because it is a meaningful experience 
And you look at that definition and it says that meaningful means that it is something serious to our life, it is something important to our life, it is something useful to our life, and it is something that brings quality to our life. And when going to church on a regular basis is a meaningful habit, when we are not able to go, guess what? We miss it, friends. We miss it. We miss it. I think about these very rare occasions that I've had in my life. As you know, I started preaching when I was 16 years old. And I'm going to catch on one day. I'm trying. I'm trying real hard, you know. But I started when I was 16. started pastoring when I was 18. And there were only little small gaps. Like when, I went, when Charlotte and I went from uh, Mercer University, my graduation, to Louisville, Kentucky, to Southern Seminary, there was a period of about three or four weeks where I didn't have a church. And get up on Sunday morning and I'm lost. We're lost. What do we do? Where do we go? Where do we go? Praise God, within a month, I was pastoring there in Louisville. The next little break came when God told me that I had run my course at First Baptist Blackshear. That first Sunday after that, I get up and I'm like, where am I going? What am I going to do today? I'm not preaching anywhere. So I went to where I had pastored 45 years ago, Central Baptist Church, and that was a bad mistake, I'm telling you. Now you're waiting for what I'm going to say. The pastor is about 12 years younger than my children. He don't even know a memory of me, all right? And everybody else in there hardly. And so when he became aware that Brother Bill was there, he said, we welcome one of our former pastors, Brother Bill, and then he was at a loss for words and he said, and he was pastor here decades ago. <laughs> I ain't been back. No, I went back the next couple of Sundays and then God opened the doors here and praise the Lord, it's hard to believe uh, very soon it will be three years standing in this precious pulpit and when I have those periods of health challenges like every one of you and I wake up on Sunday morning and I can't be here, I'm lost. And that's the way church needs to be. But I want us to key in and my prayer is that if church is a habit and it would be very easy for you to get out of it, my prayer is that it would become a meaningful experience for you and that when you miss it, you miss it. But let's key on hurt and hope. The second point says that, and let me see how it's printed up there. One way church can help you, and that's Jesus. I changed it in my notes this morning. The way. I am the way the truth and the life, the way that church can help you is because of Jesus Christ. He's what we're all about. Everything else is supplemental. Everything else lifts him up. Everything else points to him. Everything else is all about Jesus. The way that the church can help us if it's become a habit if we're here because of a hurt, if we're here because of a hope, it's because of Jesus. Jesus can turn a habit 
into a happening. Jesus can turn a habit into a happening. A familiar phrase, especially among sports fans, is people will say about a hockey game, I went to a hockey game and you know the rest of it, and a fight broke out. What is their problem? I watch basketball, they don't fight. I watch football, they don't fight. I watch golf, they don't knock each other down. What's wrong with these hockey players, you know? And says, I went to a hockey game and a fight broke out. And then I liked the guy that followed it up and said, one day I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. We won't be here long. But here's what I want to say. I pray that we will be able to say when we went home today, I went to church and church broke out. Amen. And God can take what's a habit, and I mean he can make it a real happening here. That's what happened to Isaiah, the priest, in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his glory filled the temple. And Isaiah was a routine priest fulfilling his scheduled duty, but that day, God turned a habit into a happening and Isaiah left there as one of the most powerful prophets we've ever known in the history of the faith. God can take what for us is just something that we've gotten into a rut on and make it into a happening. I'm reminded of the story of a small village church in England and a precious member was not able to attend because of health but she prayed for her church. And in essence, she was praying that God would show up and show out, and that God would make a habit into a real happening there. And every Sunday, her daughter would come in from church and she would say, anything unusual happened at church today? No. That went on forever. And one day the daughter came in and the mother said, did anything unusual happen at church today? And she said, oh my goodness, yes. We had this incredible young man from America, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, preach. And oh my goodness, how powerful. He's going to be back tonight. And the little lady began to head back to her room and her daughter said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to pray more for tonight. You say, I don't know who D.L. Moody is. And I'm going to tell you what. It'd be about like you going home and somebody said, anything happened at church today? And you said, yeah. Billy Graham preached today. Something happened today. We had the great Billy Graham there. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago a phrase that someone said after a sermon. I got it. I really got it. I remember a phrase that someone said to me after a service one time, and these stick in my heart. And this very articulate professional young man came up to me and said, I felt something here today. Jesus, he can take a habit and turn it into a happening, amen. And you can go home and say, I felt something here today. Jesus can turn our hurts into healings. He can turn our hurts into healings. Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Now I say this, 
simply to help identify hurts. I think there are truly three basic ways that we can be hurt. One is we hurt ourselves. And I hope you've got the outline. I can read that well up there. We hurt ourselves. Anytime that we disobey God, we are disobedient. Anytime we follow the flesh and not the spirit, anytime that we fail in sin, we hurt ourselves. Adam and Eve hurt themselves. They hurt themselves. King David hurt himself. Samson hurt himself. On and on and on, down through the ages. When we are disobedient, we bring hurt upon our life, but thank God he forgives us. I caught Charles Stanley last night. Oh my goodness, it went way back. I could tell it was the sanctuary in downtown Atlanta. And he was preaching on flesh versus the spirit. Flesh is still those lusts and those temptations that are with us even though we are Christians. And he began to share with us that whenever we give in to the flesh, we're disappointed, we're hurt, we're devastated. It does damage to us. And he says, all we have to do is repent. And he was so good and he said, God doesn't say, well, let me think about this. God doesn't say, well, I'll get back to you. God doesn't say, you really messed up this time. God says, I love you and I forgive you. So when we hurt ourselves, God forgives us. Sometimes others hurt us and we forgive them. And here's where I add the addendum. And we hurt ourselves when we hurt others. And so when others hurt us, we forgive them. And when we hurt others, we seek their forgiveness. Lewis Smead's powerful book, Forgive and Forget, Healing the Hurts We Don't Deserve. And in it, he has four steps to help us come back together. And so if someone has hurt us, or if we know in our heart we have hurt someone else, Jesus plainly said, that when we come to church, if we think of someone that has ought against us, we need to get up and go out and make it right. Amen. We need to get up and go out and make it right. Speed says these are the four steps toward achieving that sense of forgiveness between people. And it begins with hurt. We're either hurt or we've hurt somebody else. Now his second word I have struggled with, and this book is out there for a long time, it's a very powerful word, and it's true. If hurt is not addressed, if hurt is not healed and helped, it becomes anger, and he says, and hate. At that point, it is, it is essential that somehow, for healing, we come together. We either go to somebody or they come to us. This is where it really gets powerful. He said, if someone has hurt us and asked for our forgiveness, or if we have hurt someone and asked them to forgive us, this is the way it must go. I hurt you. 
I know I hurt you. I'm sorry I hurt you. And I will never hurt you like that again. Jesus Christ can work in us. He can give us the Spirit. And so that when we hurt ourselves, He forgives us. When others hurt us or we hurt them, we seek that forgiveness in the heart of the Spirit of Christ. And sometimes, life hurts us. Life can hurt us. We know that. I share with you, without going into great detail, again, how that when we got that unbelievable diagnosis of my wife's cancer, I tell people it, it could have been a, a country song. We'd had a, we had tests down at Mayo in Jacksonville. We were waiting the results. She'd sent me to the grocery store. I learned more about shopping in those three years than I'd ever known in my life. And she called me and she said, we got the test results. It's bad. Come home. And I tell people, when I got that call, I was standing in the frozen food section of Walls IGA. Now, wouldn't that make a good country song? I was standing in the frozen food section of Walls IGA. And I went home, and she gave me what the word was, and it was very challenging, but God blessed us. And that's the night she went on Facebook and told all her followers that I've got cancer and I can't fight cancer, but God's got this. Life will hurt us. It will hurt all of us, but God's got this. And Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Got church? Friend, you come to the right place. If church is a habit, if church is a habit for you, God wants to turn it into a happening. If it is a hurt for you, God wants to heal your heart. And this last one, all of them really excite me, and our projectionists have done an incredible job with all of this. Remember now, why do people go to church? Some of them out of a habit because there's a hurt. But thank God there's a hope. I need something in my life. I need something to get me out of this rut. I need something different. I need something new. Jesus can turn hope into faith and faith into action. Hebrews chapter 11, which is just across the page from that Hebrews chapter 10, the hall of faith and listen carefully, and I know you do, to the words there of 11. It says, verse 1, Now faith is the substance. Substance is reality. Substance is something you can touch, see, and be aware of. Faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. You lost hope, you need hope. Have faith in God. 
And he can turn that hope into substance and evidence. He can turn that hope into a reality of your life and he can turn that hope into action in your life. I go often, not every Sunday here with this, but Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass, Alice in Wonderland. Alice is having a conversation with the queen. And the queen is talking to her about dreaming, about dreaming, dreaming big dreams. And Alice says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to do that. I, I don't know how to dream big dreams. I don't know how to, how, to, how to hope like that. And the queen says, well, it just needs practice. Why? She said, I, I've, I've dreamed 12 things before breakfast some days. And so she is challenging Alice to dream, dream, dream for her lives. Miguel Cervantes in Don Quixote, the man from La Mancha, you know, God wants you to dream the impossible dreams in your life. The Bible tells us in that Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance and listen to this, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now that takes something. Where are you going? I don't know. Why are you going? God told me. How will you know when you get there? Woo! God will tell me. Amen? Faith will turn hope into action and we will be able to dream the dreams for our life, the impossible dream. And I challenge you with this. Bob Dale wrote a book many years ago entitled To Dream Again. And the essence of it is that churches that are struggling, and this applies to lives that are struggling, he said, a church that is struggling and declining needs to dream the original dream again. Why are we here? Why did we start this church? I.B. Sweat started this church to win people to Jesus Christ and to minister and grow disciples, amen? And we need to go back and dream that dream over and over and over again and not get off track. Have you had dreams for your life? they're not coming true and you've lost hope, dream it again. Dream it again. And in the will of God and by faith, God can turn hope into action. And then the last. There's three things that you can take home with you today. We call them in today's buzzwords, takeaway. Got church? You come to the right place. You come to the right place. And you can leave here today with a praise. A praise. Like Isaiah left the temple. God made my habit into a happening. I felt something today. I saw the Lord today. Jesus spoke to my heart. 
You could leave here with a peace. I went in there hurt. I went in there upset. I went in there angry. But God has healed my heart. And I've been forgiven and I've forgiven. And you can leave here with a plan, friends. You got a hope. You got a dream. You got a destiny. God will help lay it out for you as you follow it by faith. You can take those things home with you today. You can take those things home with you. And oh, one more thing. You can take Jesus home with you. You can take Jesus home with you. So, why are you here? Got church? You're in the right place, friends. And whatever your need, Jesus is the way. We sing a hymn of invitation. I invite you, whatever the need of your heart, and I think you are accustomed with these moments. I will stand here if you want me to say a, a prayer with you, I will. If you want to kneel in this altar and pray, please do so. If you want for the first time to say, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, or I want to join this church, whatever you're motivated to do, do it. And you take it home with you, amen? Take it home with you. As we stand and sing, I invite you to come.